0: Hi, friends. This is Tasha here. And I wanted to just take a pause today and just thank you for all your support for the Be The Bridge podcast. Um, If you've been learning from this podcast, if it's been helpful for you, if you've shared some of these podcasts, um, if you if our work has been helpful for you in your growth in this work of racial equity and racial healing, um, I want you to consider becoming a financial partner today. Um, And the other thing that I want you to consider to do is to go to our store and shop and purchase. Um, You can sport our apparel, our Be The Bridge apparel, um, and this will allow you to donate to our calls uh, when you shop our store. You you know, um, our vision is seeing that all are equipped to flourish through expanding our reach and continuing to spread um, this good news of social justice so we can make it right um, for all, for everyone, not just some. We are able to pursue this vision and fulfill our mission of empowering people and culture toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial reconciliation through your generous support. So thank you for supporting us and we look forward to seeing you in either one of our groups, or shopping in our store, thank you. You got to bring popcorn
1: to your comments now. <laughs> I, I have a, I have a gift for triggering people. I, I, don't, know. It. <laughs> I don't try to. I probably sometimes. <laughs> I don't I try. Don't. try to.
2: You are listening to the Be the Bridge podcast with Latasha Morrison. Each week, Be The Bridge podcast tackles subjects related to race and culture with the goal of bringing understanding.
0: But I'm going to do it in the spirit of love.
2: We believe understanding can move us toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial unity. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be The Bridge, which is an organization responding to racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. This podcast is an extension of our vision to make sure people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so now. Without further ado, let's begin today's podcast. Oh, and stick around for some important information at the end.
3: Hello, everyone. I am Tandria Potts stepping in again to guide you through another episode of the Be The Bridge podcast. And this one is super special, y'all. Be The Bridge's founder and host, Latasha Morrison, had an awesome conversation with today's guest. He is a world renowned and respected hip hop artist, songwriter, music executive, actor, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. He co founded and co owns Reach Records. On his mantle, you'll find a Billboard Award, two Grammys, three BET Awards, three Stellar Awards, four Soul Train Awards, and a whopping eight Dove Awards, which explains why he's a multi-platinum artist. Who am I talking about? Lecrae Devon Moore. Known around the world as Lecrae! Lacrae's success has given him broad appeal. Success has given him appeal. I loved Latasha's conversation with La and periodically I will guide you through their discussion. And as a bonus, I will give you some new terminology that, if nothing else, will make you a little cooler to your kids, nieces, and nephews. So, first things first, I won't assume you know Lecrae's music, and secondly, I won't assume you understand why he is so popular. We'll highlight his music throughout the podcast periodically. To answer the question, why is he so popular? That's simple, he spits bars. Okay, here is some new terminology for you. Spitting bars simply means he is adept at reciting clever metaphors and similes that rhyme and rhythmic patterns that are in sync with a heavy beat and music. (laughs) Okay, so in other words, he's a really talented rapper. As an example, check this out.
1: Hey, listen, hey, look, cold talk, that college talk, Wayne talk gangs, JB talking money, man, and gay talk fame. and people say I talk about the same old thing. The reason why I sound the same is because the truth don't change. Look, people get it twisted like a lemon in the spirit. If I ain't talking killing, I must be talking about healing. Now, I ain't talking about how Jesus gonna make me a million with my hands to the ceiling. I got that spiritual feeling, my head back down, my knees to the flow. Oh, you a Christian and you rap? That must be the way you flow. No. I talk reality like my Mama on a deathbed. The birth of a child, a soldier losing his left leg. Who gon' write songs to give
3: him a- Bars. That man spits bars, and that was called a freestyle, meaning he was making those lyrics up as he went along. This is where I could use the idiom off the top of the dome, but... We'll save that for another day. Let's move on. Now that you know and understand Lecrae's level of talent, let's find out what drew him to the art form and culture known as hip hop.
0: A lot of people, especially Christians, when they think of hip hop, you know, they think of like foul language, misogyny, violence, all the things. And uh, as a Christian, what drew you to hip hop in the first place?
1: What drew me to hip hop? Okay, so that's a good question for me um you know hip-hop is this is this culture Uh that uh was birthed in the 70s from a, a group of disenfranchised uh kids yeah you know black and hispanic kids and so Um, They talked about the woes of their community and the issues they struggle with. And oftentimes it was they were like uh, what you would call the Mm Griots and and, uh, the the people who gave the news in the community. And so you were were hearing stories that that you could relate to that you wouldn't have heard in the mainstream media because it wasn't on the radios and whatnot. And so Mm -hmm. being a kid who grew up in this urban environment and grew up around you know, a lot of the things that didn't make it onto the news right. at nighttime. time. Right. These this music was like the way I could hear stories I understood and I related. Mm-hmm. to, them. And it was like, oh, I know this story and this relates to right. me. And um, and so that's how I first began to fall in love with hip hop. Now, when some of those stories were commercialized. And, and a lot of the gang violence and a lot of the shootings and the misogyny was commercialized. It really wasn't until the suburbs started to eat it up, right? right. And it got yeah. commercialized where people started telling these stories again and again in order to exploit, mm-hmm. they exploited these stories in order to make money.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so that's, that became the prevalent voice in hip hop. Uh, there's so many things that the culture, we're a diverse culture, but, but a lot of the subject matter Lands on these type of topics because that's what seems to sell, mm. unfortunately. And um, but that's not all of who we are. Obviously, I exist right. and I'm about those things. So, <laughs> so that's uh, you know that's that's my kind of journey in hip hop.
3: Okay, here is some music terminology. CCM is short for contemporary Christian music. CCM is to pop what gospel is to R and B. Most CCM artists are white. And the main hub for CCM is Nashville, which also doubles as the center of the country music universe. Gospel music doesn't really have a hub and is dominated by black artists. With that said, one might think that Lecrae mainly dominates the gospel charts. Not so. Which is why Latasha asked this question.
0: As you've journeyed through this, this path and navigated through um the Christian space. Um, I know when you first started out, you were in a lot of CCM spaces. Um, you know what was that like? And if you could do it all over, what kind of things would you do over in that space?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked that. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know, for anybody who doesn't understand um, music, I have to talk about music in general first okay. to really set it up, right? Music. Um, for all intents and purposes, when it became popularized in America, when 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 Black people, African American people, started doing music, they would call what we did race music, mm-hmm. right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, if music was done by by African American people, it was it was called race music. And then, um, as our our uh, white counterparts started adopting the music or remaking it it would fall into different categories. Um, and so what typically would happen is you would have these categories that were not necessarily based off a of genre as much they were based off race. Right. And so um, R&B was, was seen as black. Even mm-hmm. if the artist like a Beyonce did a pop song, she was an R&B artist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then here comes, These these rappers, these Christian rappers Mm -hmm. and people don't know what to do with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, well, they should be gospel because they're black, right? Mm Because gospel is the black genre and southern gospel is white or contemporary Christian is white um, by and large. And so people didn't know what to do with me. So first I was categorized as gospel, but then the gospel community was like, well, he ain't gospel, he don't sing, you know? (laughs) So they were like, I mean, we love him, that's our little brother, but he don't sing. So, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of movement for me in the gospel space. And then of course, a lot of moms and dads in the suburbs, white moms and dads, we're looking for music that their kids liked, and their kids mm-hmm. were into hip hop, the kids were into rap music. And so it was it was a natural progression to introduce their kids to Christian rappers. Mm-hmm. And so now a lot of these uh, white kids are listening to Christian rap, and that's who we find ourselves in front of consistently because the traditional black church doesn't quite know what to do with this rap thing. Like, wait a minute, hold on. You know, we gospel, <laughs> right. like, hold on little brother. Um, and so that's a whole other story. I had to like campaign amongst the, the mothers of the church, the grandmothers wow. and saying, this is what your baby need to listen to. Okay. Wow, you know. wow. That's um, interesting. And so we I found myself in front of a, a largely white CCM audience. And initially I thought it was great. I was like, hey, I'm just happy that somebody wants me, you know, somebody mm-hmm. wants to listen to this music. Um but over time I began to realize um to some people I was a novelty and it wasn't that they appreciated all of who I was and all of my story it was almost an appropriation mm. an object and uh, being objectified in in some sense where we want what you give but that's about it mm. like we'll take the music but not everything else that comes
0: with it mm-hmm. um, outside of your faith
3: right That was a perfect segue. Let's keep going in this direction.
0: If you could do that over again, and I know that's a story that a lot of us have, you know, as we've intersected into predominantly white Christian spaces. Um, If you could do it all over again, what would you do differently?
1: Yeah, I think what I would do differently is I would have, um, you know, been very conscious of the African-American Individuals who needed to hear my voice as well, and mm-hmm. I would have been very, um, you know, there was a time period where I was doing, you know, one free show a month in in the black community just because it was like, yo, know, I'm not seeing my people. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that that was enough, but I didn't realize like I needed to be way more intentional about right. the African American community, and I think, I, and I would not have. Um, I would not have tried to make my white brothers and sisters feel comfortable. I would have been my full self and 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 had to sh- to challenge them and allow them to be stretched and seeing that hey, this is what it means to have a, a, a black friend. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. instead of me kind of code switching and assimilating, mm-hmm. I would have it would have dealt with that tension early on so people know what they're getting when they deal with. You.
3: I'm pretty sure you are familiar with the concept of assimilation. You just heard Lecrae use the phrase code switch. Let me explain. In America, people that identify as being a part of a specific cultural or ethnic group often use colloquial terminology specific to the group with which they are speaking. The reason for this is that within each group, certain terms, phrases, and idioms carry specific meanings that are often only understood by those who are a part of that cultural or ethnic group. This is a great place to dive into the dichotomy of code switching and assimilation. Listen.
0: And a lot of times, you know, a lot of people hearing this, you know, you talk, mention the word code switch and assimilation. You know, this is what a lot of us do in order to survive and in our own ways kind of thrive in those spaces, but it wears you down. It, it you know, it, um, it beats you up. And in what ways has it, you know, did it wear you down? Like what ways did it wear you down?
1: Well, <clears throat> you know, I, um, I come from, you know, a background where my mother was very adamant about education, you know, mm-hmm. from her coming from the projects and, mm-hmm. and living in, in dirt poor. When I say dirt poor, I mean she ate dirt on mm. occasion to keep her stomach full. Wow. So her biggest fear was me being in prison or not being able to survive in mm-hmm. in, in, in in this world. And so uh, education became primary. Well, as I you know would move forward in these educational spaces, these academic spaces, mm-hmm. um, I learned quickly that people, the the blacker you sound, the less educated they think you are. Mm, And mm -hmm. so it's almost like if your doctor walked in and he did not speak in what we would say, an articulate American, almost Mm -hmm. white voice, Mm -hmm. you don't trust that doctor. Mm, So if mm -hmm. your doctor comes in and says, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing today? How you feeling, bro? It's -hmm. like, "Uh, I don't wanna go to this doctor. You know Uh, what I mean? hello there. How are you? Are mm-hmm. you feeling okay?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so I think I learned that if I don't do that, I won't be taken seriously. I won't be taken. I won't be accepted in these white spaces and places. Mm-hmm. So the hardest thing for me was, um, <clears throat> you know, knowing who I was in that whole mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. like what, wait, which one, who's the real me? I've been code switching for right. so long. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the real me enjoys anymore right. uh, because I've been in these spaces and, and laughing at jokes that I don't really, you know, like, I don't watch Frasier. I don't yeah. watch Seinfeld, but I'm have to participate in these conversations and, 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 and you don't feel compelled to talk about Martin or, you know, or the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with right. me. um, And you don't want to talk about, you know, things that are happening in, in, in my world, but I have to know about things that are happening in your world right. if I want to continue to coexist. And so the hardest part for me was losing a sense of self. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the toughest part and just realizing like, man, I'm, I don't know who I am anymore in the midst of all this.
3: Breaking news, folks, at six o'clock, multiple people shot in Northwest Atlanta at two separate locations.
1: News Edge eleven. Stopping crime on Atlanta's West Side.
0: Abandoned houses on every corner, cars with suburban tags in and out of this area known as the Bluff, the Bluff, the Bluff, the Bluff, the Bluff,
3: the Bluff. Now here's a little something that you may not know. The Bluff. The Bluff, the bluff, the bluff, the bluff, 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 bluff is a part of Atlanta that most native Atlantans know to avoid. This area of Atlanta's West Side has often been ranked as the number one most dangerous neighborhood in the metro Atlanta city area. And in 2010, it was number five on the list of most dangerous areas in the United States. OK, well, guess who's on the front line trying to change that?
0: Uh, but one of the things, you know, I read is that you're buying up a block um, on the west side, um, known as the bluff, you know, uh, which has historically been a, uh, a, a challenging underserved community here in the um in the Atlanta area so you're you're buying up vacant properties because I've been in that area and it's nothing like you know that can produce hopelessness is if you're walking to school or you're living in a community where every other house is vacant or you know or um abandoned um and so you're buying up some of these properties and you're rebuilding new ones um, but that it, 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 you're not buying them to live in them. So it's kind of like this reverse gentrification that you're doing <laughs> where you're helping the community through credit education, um, excuse me, credit education and financial literacy um, to change this, um, this mindset around poverty where you want those residents to re-inhabit those homes. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Cause I know people do not know uh, this about you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, You know, I, I, first, I, I mean, because I think at the end of the day, there are there's some superheroes that don't have mm-hmm. a stage and a microphone right. and millions of followers that mm-hmm. inspire me. You know, uh, people mm-hmm. um, in the community of English Ave, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Erica Brown and Benjamin Wills.
3: I want to introduce you to Benjamin Wills, the founder of Peace Preparatory Academy listen
2: so in 2012 after moving back to atlanta um, and teaching in the inner city i just began to really wrestle personally with uh, what was happening in our public school system and what was happening in our neighborhood and as schools begin to close and families begin to really uh, continue to live in crisis we just became to be burdened for that and so we spent um, 40 days and 40 nights in prayer during Lent in 2012, just asking God, you know, how could you use uh, me the way that you've uniquely created me and gifted me um, to impact your kingdom and impact this neighborhood? And through that, uh, the vision for the school came out of that, which was uh, that we would educate whole children, support whole families, and provide
0: growth and change opportunities for the whole community. You mentioned um, Peace Preparatory Academy, and I've heard you mention that a couple times. It's a school K through five, Tell us a little bit about this and why you're involved and why is this project important to you?
1: Um, it's important to me for a multitude of different reasons. Um, in 2015, I was with my good friend Benjamin Wills over in English Ave, the Bluff, uh-huh. uh, the heroin capital of the South, prostitutes running around, addicts running around everywhere. Uh-huh. It's just a, it was a, It was a hard place. And there was no school in the community. The yeah. school that was there had been shut down and there hadn't been a school there in 20 years. So mm. kids were either not going to school um, or they were getting, you know, bused out and having to take the city bus and, and, and in dangerous circumstances and conditions. You know, we're talking right. about little kids. Right.
0: Um,
1: and so Benjamin had this brilliant idea to build a school in the community. And um, man, I said, all right, if if, if, if you believe it, if you have this much uh, faith, then let's do it, you know? And so um, was able to just partner with them and help establish a school. Uh, and now five years later, we that we started with kindergartners and now we have, we'll have. we be going into uh, the first year of, of middle school. So K through six coming up this next year. Wow! Um, it took work, it took effort and it still takes a lot of effort, but it was all about believing that these kids deserve dignity. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is, you know, it's not just a. It's not just about educating and taking care of the child. It's taking care of the community. Mm. So it's it's the it's the whole child. So the the spiritual, the the social, the relational, and the emotional. Because it's a lot of trauma mm-hmm. that, right. that is being dealt with, and then also the community. So how do we right. take care of mom and and sister and everybody else? And so there's a food, this is the one meal that they get every day that they know Mm -hmm. is coming. You know, there's so many unique opportunities here. So for me, it was a no brainer to get involved. Um, I recommend anybody, you know, um, if you wanna, uh, you know, support the school, please Peace Preparatory Academy, uh, peaceprep.com, check them out and um, yes, there's a lot of great work done. And then just for them to see African-American principals and teachers is a huge thing for these kids. For me, um, it's figuring out how to use what I have to serve yeah. other people, you know? Right. And so if I have the opportunity to invest in the community by 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 getting properties, mm-hmm. um, then let's do that before somebody else does and exploits yeah. the community. Right, um, right. If I have the opportunity to invest in, you know, um, high quality, but Mm -hmm. low cost housing Mm -hmm. for people, then I want to do that because when you build high quality homes, Mm -hmm. everyone's saying, oh, here we go, gentrification. Mm -hmm. But then we say, no, there is an income that people must have in order to live here. So Mm -hmm. if you make more than that, you can't live here. Mm -hmm. And they're like, wait a minute, you mean this is for people who don't have a lot of money, but this looks too nice for people who don't have a lot of Mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. No, it's for y'all. We just want to help y'all in this whole process. So let's go through this this financial literacy program in mm-hmm. order for you to get in, uh, get into the building. Yeah. That way, you know, there won't be issues with you understanding how to, you know, credit and all these particular things. We just mm-hmm. want to serve y'all because right. you, are, you have dignity. you made in God's image. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's been, you know, being able to partner with Oaks ATL, been able to partner with Growth Park Renewal, mm-hmm. um, of course, Peace Preparatory Academy, uh, uh, um, and and um, you know just different realtors in the area in order to do some of these things that this right. is stuff that we dreamed about. Um, right. And, and right, we want to see these kids grow up. I, I'll tell you one quick story. I, I took my my boys. You know we invested in this family,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, I took my boys with me to help move this this family out of their one bedroom apartment, and it was about six of them in a one bedroom.
0: Okay. Apartment.
1: My kids had never seen anything like that. They didn't know that people in their own backyard were living in these type of conditions. And so it was eye opening for them. But then then they also got to see the smiles and the joy on those those their family's face when we moved them into their first home. Mm-hmm. And we're moving them into their first house and these kids are saying, "Wait. This room is for just me and my sister?" Yes. Mm-hmm. And the jo- and so it, even for my kids, they were like, "Wow, daddy." Like wow, Why, you know, I appreciate things so much more. And those kids are no better than my kids. And my kids are no better than those kids. So everyone, all of them have dignity and deserve to have those moments right. Right. where they feel like
3: value. This is so good. Aren't you loving this conversation? We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Friends, life is hard. And sometimes we need a little help. Navigating the stress of sudden changes in income, health complications, and or the loss of someone close can be overwhelming. Not to mention the stress of the tense time of political and social disharmony. Honestly, at this time we all could use a little help. Well, guess what? There is help. There's help through betterhelp.com. That's better h e l p. Betterhelp.com makes professional counseling It makes it accessible, affordable, and convenient for anyone who may be currently struggling with life's challenges. If that's you, you can get help anytime, anywhere. Betterhelp.com offers access to licensed, trained, and experienced and accredited psychologists, marriage and family therapists, clinical social workers, and board licensed professional counselors. We want you to start living a happier life today as a listener. And as a Be The Bridge listener, you'll get 10% off of your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com slash Be The Bridge. Again, that's BetterHelp.com slash Be The Bridge. So you can join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. You guys, it's a difficult time and we need these tools and we need a little help to encourage us on
3: the way. Thanks for staying with us. Let's get back to our conversation.
0: I think
1: the other side of it is true with our nation's history. We miss, we understand the curse that was slavery, Mm -hmm. white people do, and we say that was bad, Mm -hmm. but we miss the blessing of slavery that it actually built up the framework for the world that white people live in and lived in and so a lot of people call this white privilege and when you say those two words it just is like a fuse goes off for a lot of white people because they don't want somebody telling them to check their privilege and so I know that you and I both have struggled in these days with hey if the phrase is the trip up let's get over the phrase and let's get down to the heart sure let's get down to what then do
0: you want to call it and I think maybe a great thing for me is to call it white blessing, white blessing, white blessing, white blessing, white blessing, white blessing. White
3: blessing. White blessing. Okay, it's time to go here. You may or may not be aware of the previous statement by Passion Church Pastor Louis Giglio. With racial tensions being at an all-time high outside and inside churches around the country, Louis thought it would be a great idea to have two of his friends sit down and have a conversation on race. He invited Dan Cathy, CEO of Chick-fil-A, and you guessed it, lecrae after that white blessing statement was made unfortunately lecrae did not respond at the moment louis received backlash but so did lecrae so let's pick up the discourse here
1: that was that was a very tough circumstance for me Mm -hmm. you know that was very challenging and and not because um you know i didn't feel equipped you know, to, to, to address all the things that were being spoken about. Right. But more so because the entire environment, the entire mindset that, that I had to navigate was just, it was uh, it was, it almost felt like there was no win in that situation. Mm -hmm. One, Mm -hmm. I should have been up there with Dr. Bernice King, who was unable to make it that night. Right. Two, um, I thought it was going to be more about me sharing and talking and not, me giving the insight and in and, and not mm-hmm. um, you know people who don't have the range to right. communicate about right. uh, racial injustice in America,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: uh, so that was that was hard. And then of course just curveballs spoken out of ignorance, you know, yeah. maybe maybe genuine, yeah. but still lacked understanding and education. And mm-hmm. now having to process for me, I think where on the fly, what I, what I didn't consider was, Hey, there are African-American people who need your voice in this moment, but I'm only thinking about the immediate audience in front of me.
0: Right.
1: And and so it's just that, that tension and that dance of trying to be loving and gracious, but at the same time also saying, man, ah, this is, this, we, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. And so it's like working through that tension. Right. because I never want to want to function as a hateful person. I always want to function as as someone who is gracious and wants people to wrestle with nuance and ignorance, Mm -hmm. but there's a place to do that. And oftentimes it's not in front of the camera, (laughs) you know?
0: If you could replay that moment, um, what would you say, you know, now?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I think the biggest thing is, is like, Hey, um, right now you're wanting to change the term white privilege into, into white blessings, right? And I would say, you know, you cannot take that upon yourself to change the, the title to accommodate you, right? It's like, you can't, you can't like, hey, let me change the language so I feel accommodated the the whole point of this conversation is to create a level of uncomfortability so that we can grow. You can't grow without tension. And so it's better for us to try to understand why we're uncomfortable versus saying, "Hey, let's say this in a way that makes me feel comfortable, otherwise I don't want to have this conversation." Well, you you would never survive in any kind of serious friendship or relationship if you if it was all about feeling comfortable. And so oftentimes we have to recognize that if we're dealing with people um and out of love then then you know we can say all right well i know this person loves me so um let me be uncomfortable in this moment and see where this train goes you know uh, and i think that would have been the first thing is just saying hey you don't you don't get to change the terms and then also you know just being able to say listen um i don't know what you mean when you say this but regardless of your intention, what you're saying is extremely hurtful. What you're saying is extremely inappropriate. And you may be speaking out of ignorance, but it hurts just the same. So we need to address that in this moment.
3: March 31st, Lecrae posted on Twitter, quote,
1: I love Jesus, but I'm not churchy.
3: Oh, and he took it a step further and added, I used to be embarrassed by that.
1: But now I realize it's okay to love God and not fit in with church culture. Church culture. Church culture.
3: culture. culture. Whoa. Okay, let's explore that.
0: But what you said resonated with so many, and I get it. Um, Can you explain for those who didn't see the post, um, you know, and, you know, especially knowing your your background and, in the spaces that you, you know, kind of losing your identity in some of these spaces. I understand exactly, you know, what you were saying. So can you explain, you know, and what has that process been of kind of been with you and as you deconstruct, um, you know, just the thinking around that?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, oftentimes when you people, People hear what you aren't saying
2: mm-hmm.
1: a lot more than they hear what you are saying, right? Mm. So, I think people people don't realize that that the American church has a culture,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: right? Like, I mean, you would be remiss to not know that uh, the Asian church has a culture or All African right. church has a culture. When you walk in, you know, oh, this mm-hmm. is different,
0: <laughs> right, right? Right? This is different, <laughs> right?
1: And um a lot of times people feel like they're a cultural, they're like, this is just church. What do you mean? Like, No, a whole culture to this Mm -hmm. that I really have never really connected with. Um, I connect with the scriptures. I connect Mm -hmm. with God. I connect with my savior, but the culture that's wrapped up in this, I don't connect with. And I, and, and so it's funny, my, um, you know, my wife and I, we went to this, uh, this, this Christian family camp and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's predominantly white. Uh-huh. Um, and they were like, hey, y'all, we just want to spend some time in worship. And then they instantly pull out this guitar. And I was like, I don't want to hear no guitar. I promise I don't want to hear this guitar right now. I don't know why in your brain you think this is like helping me connect to the Father more. It's not. If I told you, let's spend some time in worship and I turned up the bass and started playing hip hop really loud, you you probably be like, wait, what is this is not leading me to the father. What are you talking about, Lecrae? And I'm like, y'all, that's part of your cultural distinction. Correct. That's part of your cultural distinction.
3: Tough times. As the saying goes, when America has a cold, black America has pneumonia. Some of you may or may not agree with that statement. I'm curious what diversity educator Jane Elliott's thoughts might be on my previous statement. I want every white person in this room who would be happy to be treated As this society in general treats our citizens, our black citizens, if you as a white person would be happy to receive the same treatment that our black citizens do in this society, please stand. You didn't understand the directions. If you white folks want to be treated the way blacks are in this society, stand. Nobody's standing here. That says very plainly that you know what's happening You know you don't want it for you exactly so back to tough times
1: toughest time of my life hands Mm. down the hardest hardest thing i've ever dealt with um Mm. i think um you know i think a lot of times people know what it's like to go through a tough moment or to feel sad or to feel down um or to be a little bit like panicky but when your body shuts down Mm um, and you can't do anything to control it. Um, you there's not enough willpower in the world to get you out of that type of a situation. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it really made me more of an advocate for people for, for mental health, because now when I see people on the street, And you you would think like, what is this person doing? Why is he walking in the street with his shirt off? And it's like, man, that person may be trapped in their mind Mm. and don't have the medical attention that they need in Mm -hmm. order to be a healthy whole person. Mm -hmm. And I know what it feels like to be trapped in my mind. Mm. I know what it feels like to um, wake up in the morning and there's nothing you can do to shake off the dark cloud that makes you feel like life is worthless. Right, Right. I know what it feels like to wake up in the morning There's nothing you can do to or to go to bed at night and there's nothing you can do to make yourself sleep because you're just so panicky and you don't even know what you're you're like. Why am I panicky? I don't want to be panicky. I'm not Mm -hmm. afraid of anything. But in that moment, your central nervous system has has failed you. Your Mm. your brain, you know, to get extra technical, your 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 prefrontal cortex is not talking to your amygdala. Your brain's not connecting right like it should. And so in the same way you can have a heart condition or you can right. have asthma. You know, your brain is an organ that has mm-hmm. that, that has problems at from time. And and so that was hard because I'm um I'm a very uh, you know self-willed person and hold mm-hmm. myself up and oh you I'm a I'm gonna get mine, I'm gonna work <laughs> right. for mine. You ain't gonna right. tell me. And God was like, You ain't gonna be able to work yourself out of this one, brother. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, so it was tough. Um it was tough to 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 reorient myself. It was tough to realign my my myself to depend on therapy and and mm-hmm. uh, to to change my lifestyle to slow nice. down. Um, it was tough, but mm-hmm. I really feel like it was it was the best thing that's that's happened to me uh, because I'm I'm a, I'm a better person from it.
3: Okay, so are you curious like I am about what brings Lecrae joy?
1: Joy in this season of life. I find a lot of joy in contentment, um, be, being content, um, allows for me to, i put it like this being, I find myself content in terms of my own ambitions so that I can be ambitious for other people. And so if, If Lecrae is not worried about how Lecrae can be great all the time, Lecrae can help other people be great. And so that is bringing me joy, is the contentment God has given me to allow other people to be great in this season. And and so if I'm not like, oh man, I got a, you know, Jimmy Fallon called and I got to go do Jimmy Fallon. But instead of worrying about that, man, what's up with Peace Prep? Today. Let's let's figure out how we can do something. And and you know, just that tension and that balance for me now. It's like, man, I just want other people to be great in this season. And then hope, you know, obviously as a believer, man, the tomb is empty. So that always gives me hope. You know, empty tomb uh gives me hope. My my, my friend, our friend Esau Macaulay told me that uh, years back, and uh and it rattled me. And then I just started thinking to myself, you know what? When a trail of tears was happening during 400 years of slavery, during segregation, the tomb was empty. And so people held on to that reality then, and I can hold on to it today that it was empty and I can keep pushing, keep pushing.
3: So Lecrae went from being influenced and inspired by hip-hop culture to not only becoming an influencer in the genre, but an influencer of influencers in pop culture and church culture in general. If you haven't heard his latest album, Restoration, check it out. If you don't have his latest book, I Am Restored, How I Lost My Religion But Found My Faith, go get it. If you want to introduce more people to this phenomenal person, then send them this link to the podcast. I love, love, love Latasha's conversation with the multi-talented and multifaceted Lecrae. And I hope you enjoyed it too. Till next time, let's remember to build bridges and not walls. Go to the donors table if you'd like to hear the unedited version of this podcast. podcast.
2: Thanks for listening to the Be The Bridge podcast. To find out more about the Be The Bridge organization and or to become a bridge builder in your community, go to bethebridge.com. Again, that's bethebridge.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on this platform and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was edited, recorded, and produced by Trayvon Potts at Integrated Entertainment Studios in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. The host and executive producer is Latasha Morrison. Lauren C. Brown is the senior producer.
3: And transcribed by Sarah Conitzer.
2: Please join us next time. This has been a Be The Bridge production. Be the bridge, be the bridge, be the bridge, be the bridge.